the Lord Jesus. As we sang, uh, we come with our arms wide. We need to receive from you. Would you speak to us from your word? Lord, would you, through your Holy Spirit, bring conviction if that's what's needed? Bring freedom if there's bondage in any of these areas? May you do the work that only your Holy Spirit can do. May we be transformed even during this time to look more like Jesus. Lord, give us grace with one another. Give us the ability to come truly with open hands and an open heart to hear from you this morning. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I touched on this earlier and I'm going to keep touching on this because just about the time that we get tired of hearing it is about the time it's starting to sink in. It's just how it works with things. We as a church exist. Does anyone know before Chris puts it up? Why do we as a church exist? I said it earlier. Take a stab at it. It doesn't have to be perfect words. See, we need to keep hearing it, right? We exist to see every person become involved in kingdom life. Even if you just remember kingdom life, I'll I'll take it. We as a church exist to see every person involved in the life of the kingdom, serving and loving the king by serving and loving each other. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. We believe that we cannot be fully involved in kingdom life unless we understand and utilize our gifts. The Lord has given us spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts, that he's called us to use to love him, to build each other up, and to advance his kingdom. We cannot be fully involved in kingdom life without understanding and utilizing our kingdom gifts. And today we come to one of the most misunderstood gifts that there is. One of the most polarizing gifts that there is. And that's why my prayer started with, Lord, help us to have our hearts remain open. We're going to talk today about the gift of tongues. And as soon as I say that... Again, some of you think back to times that you were hurt, things that you've seen that weirded you out and you didn't know what to do with, and and your heart starts closing. Those squeaky hinge doors start closing up. I don't want to talk about this. Some of you may even go as far as go, I don't want to be a part of a church that even talks about this. Some of you are on the other side and you're getting too excited. Hit them with it. Let's go. Finally. Both are dangerous. We really want to come this morning going, Lord, what do you have to say? Not, oh, he's finally going to tell them, or he's finally, we're going to get... We just want to hear what the Lord would have. If that's not where your heart is, then I would invite you even now just to pray. If there's fear, if there's maybe a little too much excitement, Lord, help me just to begin to view this gift as you view it. There's a lot about it in Scripture. It's not something we can ignore, We need to come and deal with it. We want to see it rightly. So, as we get into the gift of tongues, and we're also going to talk about the gift of interpretation today. They're kind of two sides of the same coin. They go together. Let's start by talking about what is the gift of tongues. Again, one of the most misunderstood giftings that we have. One writer says this, The gift of tongues is to speak in a language not previously learned so unbelievers can hear God's message in their own language or the body be edified. So I speak in English. You're from somewhere in South America. You hear in Spanish kind of idea so that you can hear the good news of the gospel, so that you can hear that encouraging message that you need. It's it's not a language that I've learned and practiced, but when I speak, you hear your language. 
We'll look at a biblical example of this. Another uh, author says this, Speaking in tongues is the utterance of prayer or of a message glorifying God, typically spoken to God in a language that is unknown to the one speaking it. So if you're paying attention here, these two definitions don't agree with each other. They're describing two different things. One is this earthly language spoken from me to you, and you understand it in your native tongue. The other is a different language, an unknown language spoken from me to God. We call that prayer, right? So one is this gift given to proclaim to people the good news, to proclaim to people a message from the Lord. The other is a prayer language from me to the Lord. And we look at these definitions and we go, wait, these don't agree. It seems like they're describing two different gifts. So which one is right? You guys ready for this? Both. How many of you knew that was coming? Right. Yeah, it was a terrible setup. <laughs> and, and this is part of this miscommunication, misunderstanding of the gift of tongues, is when we look in the New Testament at tongues, real quick, the word tongues literally just means languages. You, your uh, translation that you read may actually just say languages or other languages. It's just, tongues means languages. And there's a lot of different ways that this gift is expressed when we look at the New Testament. Two, uh, I would say the two like kind of main veins that this goes in. The first is this idea of an earthly language. We, we see, if you guys remember from Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost happens. The apostles have been up in a room praying, waiting for the Lord to come, and all of a sudden, tongues of fire come on them, and some of you just went, see, tongues. No. <laughs> just how you describe, like the, a fire licked a log, that kind of idea. Different tongues. But fire comes on them. Fire in the Old Testament was the main way that God represented his presence. A pillar of fire leading the people of Israel. Fire coming down from heaven and consuming Elijah's offering. Fire consuming the temple when it was built and dedicated. God's presence came through fire. And so here we have on the day of Pentecost, God's presence coming on the apostles, on those that were following Jesus. This fire comes down. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they, they have to preach. They can't hold it in. So they go out just on the street corners and they start proclaiming the gospel. Actually, in really strong terms, like ones that we nowadays, when you read what they said, because they said things like, this Jesus, whom you guys all killed, you know, and we would go, ooh, steer clear of that. Like, but they, it was so strong. They came out and they proclaimed it. And the people marveled because they said, wait, 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 wait. I'm from Crete. How do they know my language? I'm from Rome. Why are they speaking Greek? Why are they speaking Aramaic? All of these languages were heard to the point where some people went, I think they're drunk. Like, what is even happening right now? But there was this gift of tongues that came on them that they were able to speak. They probably spoke. They may know what language they were probably speaking. Maybe Aramaic, maybe Hebrew. Those were kind of the two big ones for Jewish people. They were in Jerusalem, the heart of Judaism. 
They were speaking, most, most people think probably Hebrew, maybe Aramaic, like I said, it's kind of a toss-up, but people heard it in dozens of languages. It was miraculous. It was a gift of tongues. And we see it happen some other times throughout the book of Acts. But then there's also this other description of the gift of tongues, and it's this angelic or heavenly language. This language that's not of earth, this language that like no nation speaks here on earth, but that people cry out to God with. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13.1, describing the gift of tongues. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He goes, look, if I speak in any language men know, or even some that they don't, this angelic language, He's cautioning, without love it means nothing. But he's also describing it. In 1 Corinthians 14, 2, describing again this gift of tongues, he says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. It's describing this completely unearthly language. And it's called the gift of tongues just like the apostles in Acts 2 with this earthly language, that you start to see where some of the confusion comes up with this. It can be either earthly or heavenly. Both are a gift of God. Both are the gift of tongues. Both are scripturally based. We feel more comfortable with one than the other, typically. But both are gifts given by God to the church. So let me start real quick with what tongues is not. What the gift of tongues isn't. First of all, the gift of tongues is not given to everyone. There are many Christian circles, churches, denominations, movements that say every single believer is called to speak in tongues. It's actually a sign of salvation. When you start, when you put your faith in Jesus and you begin to follow him, you receive the Holy Spirit. And they would say that every believer is to start speaking in tongues. Now, in the book of Acts, we have some different examples of they went to a new place, they preached the gospel, people received it, the Holy Spirit came, and they spoke in tongues. We have some examples of that, but some take it and go, see, it's for everybody, for all time. Every believer should be speaking in tongues, which means if you don't speak in tongues, you don't really know Jesus. You see the danger in this teaching. Paul dealing with this, this kind of issue. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28-30, he said, And God has placed in the church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, those are rhetorical questions, but what's the answer to his rhetorical question? No. The whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, is Paul going, look, God has given incredibly different gifts to each of us, and we look different, we, we act different, we come from different cultures, but God is putting all these differences together to make his body. He's bringing us together unified, and he's going, look, look at how different everything can look, but did God, make any, did God make all of us to have any one of these things? Like, everybody has it? He says, no, because then we wouldn't need each other. 
Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? No. Do some? Yeah. Look at the list right above it. God has given some to speak in different kinds of tongues, but not all. Another thing that tongues is not is a mark of maturity. There's, again, some different Christian circles, denominations, movements out there that teach, okay, so maybe everyone doesn't have the gift of tongues, but they would say, but everybody should. And in fact, if you get mature enough, you will get the gift of tongues. So therefore, those who speak in tongues, top tier. Those who don't, mm, keep working. You're almost there. And it's this sign of, of maturity. It's this sign of, like, this is how we rank Christians, those who speak in tongues and the rest. And that's a really dangerous thing. That is an incredibly divisive thing. The last thing that I'm going to talk about, we, we could probably go in a bunch of different areas, but the last one that I'm going to share about, the gift of tongues is not a public prayer language. There are some that would say, when we all get together, there should be a time that we pray. You know, like I prayed before and we all, you guys kind of closed your eyes and bowed your heads. There are a lot of denominations and movements that would say, now let's everyone pray together and it's just a whole bunch of sounding like gibberish. I'm not suggesting that there isn't the real gifting there. But it's this idea that we should all just kind of go nuts because it's our prayer language. Let's just all do it together kind of idea. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14. What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at most should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So there's this idea that, first of all, it's not something where we all just go willy-nilly. He's calling for order in worship. And he says, look, there should only be one or two, maybe three, in a service that would speak in a tongue, and even then, only with interpretation. Only with someone who's able to hear it. This is the gift of interpretation. It doesn't need much interpretation. <laughs> That's for me. You guys don't worry about it. Those with the gift of interpretation should hear someone share a message in tongues and go, I know what that means. Here's what my brother or sister was saying when they prayed that, when they spoke that. Because the one who has the gift of tongues, unless they also have the gift of interpretation, they don't even know what they're saying. It's just something, their spirit is communing with God and that's just kind of what's coming out. They don't even know what they're saying. There has to be an interpretation. God is a God of order who has called us to have orderly worship. And this idea that some people kind of skirt Paul's teaching by going, oh, we're not using the gift of tongues. This is just our prayer language is silliness. It's disorder. In fact, Paul even describes that scene in 1 Corinthians 14. You're going to have to read it for yourself because I don't have time to go through all of 1 Corinthians 14. Paul describes it. He goes, imagine the non-believer that walks in and everyone's just prophesying and speaking in tongues at random, that person's going to walk in and say, you're crazy, and turn around and leave. Paul goes, this, isn't, this shouldn't be so. This isn't how this gift should be used. It's a very intentional thing, given by God, and it's also given with parameters. 
a few at most in a public gathering, and only ever with interpretation. Does that make sense? As much as it can? I'll be honest. Here's the thing, guys. The gift of tongues is not something I've had a whole lot of experience with. I've come from, I don't know how else to say this, super white churches where this kind of stuff, we don't, like it's not even mentioned. You just skip 1 Corinthians 14 altogether because there's some uncomfortable stuff in there. We just never talked about it. I've only been in a room a handful of times when someone is speaking in tongues. And most of those, I was younger and went, where's the door? I don't know what's happening here. Like, it's not something I've had a ton of experience with, but most of the experience I've had doesn't match up to what I see in Scripture. There's a lot of misunderstanding, miscommunication, and at times even misleading when it comes to this gift. And it's become so divisive. So why is the gift of tongues important? Why can't we just bail on it and move on like it doesn't exist? First of all, because God gave it. He's a giver of good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, right? This is a spiritual gift that He's given when using correctly, using, used correctly, this benefits the body. This helps us grow. This helps us mature. So to ignore it is, again, to cut the hand off. Why is the gift of tongues important? First of all, in that earthly language, think back to Acts chapter 2, that they were speaking in Hebrew or Aramaic and people were hearing Greek or whatever their language was. That is an incredible tool that God has given the church to be able to proclaim the gospel in new places. All of our international workers that we support and we pray for and everything, the first typically two to three years of their ministry is spent doing what? Language study. And most of them, once they get where they're going, they go, oh, cool, there's a totally different dialect here. And there's another few years of language study. Think of the miraculous when God goes, you're going to go into this place, and day one, I'm going to give you the ability to speak to these people, to proclaim the gospel to these people in their own native tongue. Think about that. If you're someone who is foreign to God, maybe you've never even heard the name of Jesus, but now you hear someone looks nothing like you, comes from a different culture, I mean, any, just picture it, and they walk in representing a God who loves you enough he wants you to hear the good news in your own language. Think about what that does for you. This God has come near. I want to hear what this person has to say. I want to know this God. He cares so much. Could he have used an interpreter? Sure. But he said, no, 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 no. That's too impersonal. I want to put it in your language. What an incredible gift that is. And then there's this heavenly language, this angelic language. This is meant, again, when you read in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says it's meant to strengthen, encourage, and build up the church. It is a gift meant to bring us strength and encouragement. It's meant to be a sign that God is here. In, in the personal sense, because remember what Paul says, look here at the end, look, if there's no interpreter in the public, he doesn't say, Shame on you. You did it wrong. How dare you? He says, that just means that this is something between you and God. That this is to be a personal prayer thing. And when it's used personally, it's this means of private worship. Glorifying the Lord. Like I said, that most people who have the gift of tongues do not have the gift of interpretation. 
There, there are men and women that I respect so much who have this gift, and they've only ever used it privately because that's the only place the Lord's called them to. But there is such a sense of God is here because I can't make this stuff up. God is near, and there's something in me that has to cry out, and words just don't cut it, is the way that people have described it to me. It is, and it is such a time of worship for them. Because God, there's this closeness, there's this communion with God that happens in a really special way. And that individual is built up in their faith. It can be a means of crying out sometimes in, in painful or hurtful or dark situations, confusing times when words just don't cut it. Romans 8.26 talks about the, sometimes the Spirit cries out to God for us, intercedes for us with, with groans and utterances and in that context, it's because the people are in difficult situations and they just don't know what to pray. I don't even know what way to turn or how to pray. And it says at times the Holy Spirit goes, it's okay, I got this. And He speaks to the Father on our behalf and they don't speak English. And that person is built up. That person is reminded that the Lord is near. And it even has a place corporately. Again, as Paul describes, when someone comes up, maybe during our sharing time, again, in an orderly fashion, not just standing up and yelling from your seat, but in an orderly way, just like all of our gifts are to be used, they come up and they, they have a message that ain't in English. We're going to ask, is there an interpretation? Does someone have an interpretation? Because if this is a message from the Lord, as much as it would freak us out, we'd also take notice, right? Paul says it's meant to be a sign. And so somebody would come up, we would say, is there an interpretation? And that person would say, here's what my brother or sister is saying. And it would be a message from the Lord meant to encourage us, to build us up, to strengthen us as a body. Maybe calling us back to our first love in Jesus. Don't lose hope. It would be some message of encouragement that we would miss out on if we just weren't the church that did that kind of thing. It's so dangerous. Again, does it, would it make me horribly uncomfortable? I'm going to be real with you. It would. If someone came up to the microphone and had a message, everything in me, you'd probably see me stand like this, but I'd be going, okay. Like, because I know biblically, this isn't, oh my goodness, I'm uncomfortable, therefore it's evil. That's not the truth. I'm uncomfortable, therefore I'm uncomfortable. Deal with it. I would ask that person, do you have an interpretation or does anyone else? If someone stood up and said, here's what the Lord is saying, then we would praise the Lord together and we would move on with our service. If no one stood up, we'd obviously usher the person right out of the church, right? No. We would say, brother or sister, man, I, I love your heart. There's no interpretation. So I think that's just something between you and the Lord. Why don't you go and just praise him? And we would encourage that brother to do exactly what Paul said, to go to speak to himself and to God. We would try to encourage that brother or sister because they're trying hopefully to discern, is this one of those times that I'm supposed to go speak or is this just a me and God thing? We just become a body that's able to help them discern. Man, you took a stab at it and I appreciate that, but this isn't one of those. So we appreciate you. And that would be the end of it. None of us would die. It would be okay. But we've been so quick to just go, oh, we don't do that. That even if the Lord was trying, 
I, I'll tell you, it would probably be really hard for someone who has that gift and maybe has experienced that call, go and, and speak. It would be really tough to do because we just don't do things like that. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love and eagerly, eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one that prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you have prophecy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, again, if you come from one of those churches that said, we don't talk about tongues, you heard that and you went, aha, see? They're not as good as the other gifts. They're like, Paul's talking from a corporate setting. And at no point in time does he say, so tongues is dumb and we shouldn't do that. He says, look, when it comes to gathering together, the thing that edifies all of us is better than the thing that edifies just one of us. But at no point in time does that take away from the fact that does God care about building up each and every one of us individually? Yeah. Does he also care about building all of us up corporately? Yeah. He says, don't use the right tool at the wrong time. If there's tongues but no interpretation, wrong time. Great tool, wrong time. So, if you're sitting here today and you're going, how do I know if I have the gift of tongues? Or even the gift of interpretation? Let me start with this. Again, going back to some of the misleading, misunderstanding this come from. You don't need a class. There are entire denominations that have entire Sunday school classes strictly on, we're going to teach you how to speak in tongues. It, gifts don't work like that. God gives it, and you have that gift, or you don't. Don't get me wrong. There are gifts that we can learn to sharpen and to hone and to become better at using, and tongues is even one of those. But it's not so much, and I need to get better in pronouncing the language I'm using. It's getting better in discerning, is this the time for it? Or is that the time for it? You do not need a class to teach you how to speak in tongues. From that whole movement and that whole idea came one of the worst phrases that's come out of the church in a while. Fake it until you make it. Because everyone has to have it, right? And if you don't have it, you're not part of us. So fake it until hopefully it becomes real is the teaching that's been out there. And that's so incredibly dangerous. If, if this is a gift that you have, it's not something you're going to have to try to do. When you are alone with the Lord and praying, it, it's going to happen. I, I know, again, some people that I incredibly respect who have this gift, and they were more shocked than anybody else. They were driving down the road one day, one of them, just praying to the Lord, and I think they were listening to some worship music, and all of a sudden some sounds came out that they were kind of looking in the back seat. Where are those coming from? And they had that, oh, oh no, it's me. Like, it was almost this crisis, Lord, what do I do with this? But there was such an experience of his presence at that time that they were going, I'm uncomfortable, but man, if this is a way you and I are going to do this, I want more. They then started researching the scriptures. What's the best way to use it? Where, where the parameters got it set up? And they, they used it in really healthy ways. But it wasn't something they went like, I got to find this. I got to fake it till I make it. You won't need some kind of a class. You will have control over this gift. There is no, I just couldn't help it. 
Whether there was an interpreter or not, I, I had to come forward and speak, even though the scripture tells me not to. You have control. Most of the people I know that have the gift of tongues, if you're praying with them, praying in, in, a, in a smaller group setting or whatever, you can hear it. Most of them, most of them are healthy and mature and aware of it, and it's kind of an under the breath, just they're just praying along with you. I've heard people do the same thing in English, and I don't get offended. When I'm praying and somebody's just going, yes, God, please, come, Lord, yes. I don't go, excuse me. He calls for orderly worship, and I'm praying right now. Like, no. And I've heard people doing that same thing. Again, not to make a spectacle, but it's just how they commune with the Lord. They are able to control and not just break out and start yelling. They have control over it. Otherwise, it would be really mean for Paul to say, if there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. I mean, you can't, but I'm telling you to anyway. Paul recognizes you have control, and there's an orderly way to use this so that everyone is built up. With the gift of interpretation, the proof is in the pudding. You can interpret or you can't. You hear someone speaking in a not earthly language, either you know what it means or you don't. It's, it truly is that simple. The hard part is going to be, again, if someone would come up to a microphone, and I'm just, I'm trying to coach you guys through it like I would need coached through it. If someone would come up in a microphone and share a message in tongues, there might be someone in here who goes, weird, I understood that. Like I could hear that it wasn't any, it didn't even sound like a language, but like in my heart, I know what was said you would then have to have the maturity and the boldness to share with the rest of us. It would be uncomfortable. Honestly, if we're using any of our gifts can put us in some uncomfortable situations. But if that is a message that the Lord has intended to build up the body, nothing should hinder us. Not our comfort, not our culture, not our Western worldview. We want to see God move. We want to see Him build up His church and advance His kingdom. And if he wants to use gifts that make most of us uncomfortable, amen, we'll get comfortable. So I've also been asking this question uh, with each of the gifts that we go through. What does the gift of tongues look like without character or without maturity? Because again, we've talked about this. God doesn't wait until you're so mature and then give you some gifts. He gives them to you right away and there's a learning curve. What does it look like for those who don't have Christ's maturity or Christ's character but do have this gift. It can look like a status symbol in the church. And this is what Paul was dealing with in 1 Corinthians, is again, it was this hierarchy. We speak in tongues. We're the most mature. We're the biggest, the baddest. Everyone should listen to us. And Paul comes in and goes, let me list off some gifts that are better at edifying the body. Let me lift off some gifts that if we're going to hold anything in high regard, these would make it in first. It is not a status symbol in the church. It is not, and honestly, hear this, none of the gifts are. There's not a single gift that if you have this, it means you're better, you're closer to Jesus, you're further along. It means you play a different role. But none of these are status symbols. None of these gifts are meant to make us Christian rock stars. Tongues without character, without maturity, will scare off unbelievers. Again, Paul puts it so clearly. He goes, just put yourself in that person's shoes. They're going to walk in, go, nope, and walk right back out again. It's dangerous when not used properly. 
But here's the thing that we have to get back to. And I've been calling us to this the whole time. The opposite of misuse isn't disuse. It's proper use. For far too long, the church has seen it misused, mistaught, misunderstood, mishandled, and gone, nope. We're just not going to touch it. As best we can, we're going to live like that gift doesn't exist. The opposite of misuse isn't disuse. It's proper use. There may be some in this room today, and I would probably think there are some in this room today who have the gift of speaking in tongues. And we have not done a great job just as a, not, not even necessarily our church, but as a Western church at creating an environment where you can use your gift. And so first of all, I'm sorry. I've been a part of that. This gift terrifies me because it reminds me so evidently I'm not in control. It doesn't even need to be in a language that I can understand. You mean God would do that? But what if it makes me uncomfortable? He doesn't care. What? We need to find the line to walk. What's the proper way to use this gift? To allow God to build up individuals and yes, at times, build us up as a community. Again, a couple things just to illustrate that. 1 Corinthians 14.5 Paul's not against the gifting. Instead, he says, I would like that every one of you speak in tongues. He's in the middle of giving cautions and all of this, but he goes, hear me though, I'm not against this gift. He goes, if I was handing out gifts, it'd be cool if every one of us could do this. Later uh, in verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul had a way of saying things sometimes that I feel like I couldn't get away with. But again, these people were either dead set against it or they were going, look at us. And Paul goes, look at you. I speak it more than any of you and I thank God for it. But now let me tell you the proper way to use it. A few at most taking turns in an orderly fashion and never without interpretation. That, that's the, the scriptural parameters that we're given. Is it going to make us uncomfortable? Potentially. That terrified me. He was walking toward a microphone and I was like, here we go, everybody. <laughs> it's about to get real. Like, <laughs> truly felt like God was saying, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need a minute. Like, okay. Privately, it's meant to be a means of worship, a means of praise, a means of crying out. Publicly, it's meant to have order but interpretation so that we can all benefit. If it meets those, we have no right to go, we don't like that, stop doing that. It is a God-given gift meant to build us up individually and corporately. Does it make sense? Does this help bring some clarity? How many are still a little uncomfortable? I would say like only just a few of you. Man, the rest of you. <laughs> well done. So we're going to end this service uh, in the way that we've ended all of our services. Uh, here in a minute, I'm going to invite our elders to come up here. And if this is something where you're going, you know, I've had some of those experiences in my private prayer time, or maybe even I've had some times where I felt like God was calling me to stand up and share with the body, and I told him no, because it would be uncomfortable. I'm going to ask you to come and pray with the elders. If, if that second one is you, maybe you need to repent. 
Maybe you need to say, you know what, I, I wasn't bold. I was worried about what people thought and, and I was scared and I'm sorry. God is waiting to forgive. Maybe you're going, okay, this has happened to some in private, but I've been kind of way too scared to even let anybody know. Come and be prayed over. This is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives to build us up individually and corporately, and we don't want to shun it. We don't want to turn our backs on it. And so if you think that this is a gift that you have, come and have the elders pray on you, pray over you. Praying that the Lord just releases His gifts as He wills, whether it makes us comfortable or not, and that we would grow as a church because of it. So elders, I'm going to ask you guys to come on up here. And again, if this is you, just during this next song, make your way up here and have these men pray over you. I'm going to ask the music team to come up. I'm going to pray, and then, then we'll sing. Lord Jesus, worshiping you is not about my comfort. Seeing the church built up will not make me comfortable. Being sent out into the places that you will send us as a church will not make us comfortable. God, may we lay down comfort. May we lay down our thoughts and how we think everything should be. And may we truly receive from you. God, if this is a gift that you want to use in our body, again, you've set out the parameters and the, the way to use it healthy. If this is something you want to do, we say, come Lord Jesus. Give us grace with one another. Give us the ability to walk with one another as we as a church figure this out. But Lord Jesus, we want to see you lifted up in every way possible. We want to see you move in your church. We want to be transformed to be more like you as individuals and as a people. God, and we're not willing to close the door on any gift you've given the church. So God, as we sing this last song, as some come forward to be prayed for, would you release your Holy Spirit on them? Would you show them how to use the gift well, how to build up the body through this gift? Lord, for the rest of us that are still a little, what do we do? Would you begin to show us the grace we need to show others? Would you walk with us? Would you show us how to, how to not get polarized in one pendulum swing to the other, but God, truly in faith to walk that line? I'm open to God moving. However he says he, he can and will, let me encourage my brother or sister. Let me, let me give grace when things are done wrong. Help us to come around those who are trying to figure this out for themselves. Build up your church, I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.